it is finished. Have you ever thought why these words are so significant? Well, on reflection, I, I realise that you can only finish something that you've started. And that indicates to me that there was a plan. There was a plan from the beginning. It's not some random uh, happening. It's it, a specific end uh, result is in mind. So finish is very different to that word end. A life can begin and end. Might be a good life, might be not so good a life. But a life can begin and end and there can be no purpose. When Jesus on the cross says it is finished, he is stating that he has achieved his purpose. Uh, this morning, my plan is to, to read small sections of, of scripture and then just give a, a, a brief reflection on what we've just read and then move on to the next section. And as we do this, I, I just want to invite you to consider what the passage says. Particularly, I'm, I'm going to be reading um, the conversation between Jesus and Pontius Pilate. And, and I'd really ask you to think why John chose to include this in the story of the Passion. What purpose does it serve and, and what does it say to us? So let's begin. We start with, with John 18, or from John 18, verse 28. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace, because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If you were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Oh, I've gone. No, I'm back. Uh, now, Easter alongside Christmas Day, uh, those times of, of the year when we get an above average number of people that have been coerced to come to church, whether they like it or not. I tried so hard to get a member of my family along here this morning and, uh, and we got to part of the conversation last night where they said... If you put on different voices for the different characters, I'll come. Then, and I, I, I said, yeah, I'll do that. I'll, <laughs> I'll do anything to get you into church and to hear the good news. But, uh, but uh, as it turns out, if I put on any funny voices, it's an accident. I don't mean to. So. <laughs> uh, but maybe you're here this morning saying to yourself, I really don't want to be here. I really don't want to be here. You're here because someone's encouraged you to come. Like, oh, yes, great, we've got that up there. And, um, and you see, I think that is what Pilate is thinking in this story. I really don't want to be here. You see, Pilate, he, he was a Roman governor for this district, 
but his normal residence was in Caesarea. And it was a far more Roman sort of place in Jerusalem, far more suited for Romans. But his job meant that he had to sometimes be in Jerusalem, especially when there was a chance of civil unrest, such as the time of the Passover when Jewish nationalism rose high. Because you remember the Passover story? Passover celebrates the Israel, Israelites being brought out of Egypt, being rescued from, from Egypt. And now they're in a country that is occupied and controlled by the Romans. You can imagine how Passover would bring that nationalist feeling to the surface. So this is the situation Pilate's in. He's, he's on the far edge of the empire. He's ruling a people that are, don't want to be, be ruled. And, uh, and look, to be frank, Pilate hated the Jews. And during past times, his irritation has caused him to freely shed the blood of the Jews. Now, in return, the Jews return a mutual hatred towards Pilate. And they, they do. They accuse Pilate of every crime. He may be guilty of some, but, uh, but they, they, they went out of their way to make, it, make the accusations. So a good day for Pilate is a Jew-free day. And this is not a good day for Pilate. And in our introduction, we, we can see that enmity. The Jewish rel religious uh, rulers, they've come to him. They're, they're quite pious. They've got their... Um, They've got their uh, rules. We can't enter into a Gentile's place because that'll make us unclean. But what does that speak to Pilate? You're coming, you've, you've picked this day to bring this person and you won't come into my place as if I am unclean, as if I'm the, the, the filthy one. And that's how he would have understood it. Um, they won't enter his place and then, so he comes out to them. And, and through this story, we're going to find Pilate going out and going in seven times that, that occurs. Uh, and there's probably significance there that we, we won't get into. Um, but Pilate comes out to these, these Jewish leaders and he says something quite simple. What are the charges? Not a very complicated question, is it? What are the charges? And how do they, they reply? They reply in a, in a way that belittles and, and is intended, I believe, to shame Pilate. They say, pretty much, you don't need to know. You just do your job, Roman, and execute him. That's all we want from you. Do what we say. So let's read on. Pilate then went back inside the palace. He summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that, what you're, sorry, is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? 
retorted Pilate. Now, you've, you've probably heard the saying, my enemy's enemy is my friend. I'm not saying that's uh, necessarily the case here, but it does seem that Pilate is determined not to make the Jewish leader's life easy. Uh, they've shown him disrespect and disdain, and so he takes advantage. He invites Jesus inside and talks to him. And when he's inside, the Jewish leaders are excluded from witnessing the trial. They won't come in, and, and Pilate takes advantage of that. And here Pilate asks two questions. He asks Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And then he asks, what is it you have done to upset your countrymen? Quietly, I think uh, Pilate wants to know, you've done such a good job of upsetting them. Let me in on the secret. I want to really upset them too. But Jesus answers him in, 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 in his way. And Pilate hears Jesus say, I am a king. He declares, oh, so you are a king. But he misses what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying in that part of the story, I'm the king of everyone. I'm the king of you. He glides over that. He says, oh, you are a king. But Jesus goes on, doesn't he? He states his life's purpose in this, in this reading. The reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Jesus quite often uh, states his purpose. And, uh, and one of my favourite ones is, is in Luke 4, uh, when Jesus hops up in the synagogue and he, he reads from Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now there's some truth. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Now, when Jesus says that in the synagogue, that would really resonate. He's quoting from their scripture. It would really resonate with his, his Jewish audience. But maybe something like that would be a little bit too much for a Roman-like Pilate. Uh, and he needs to hear something, something a little bit different. Because you see, for, for Romans, truthfulness was a valued virtue. Amongst their gods, they had one called Veritas. She was the goddess of truth that the Romans uh, gave worship to. When Jesus says, everyone on the side of truth listens to me, he's appealing to something that Pilate once valued. Though I think for Pilate... In his world of politics, truth had been maybe one of the first things to die in that battle for, for power at whatever cost. And Pilate refuses to let Jesus' words touch him when he responds, what is truth? What I see, though, is that Jesus speaks to the void in Pilate's life. Jesus speaks to the void in each and every person. He exposes evil in our lives he exposes hurts in our lives and at the same time Jesus is offering to bring healing to us that healing that we just so desperately need 
But it's never forced on us. Like Pilate, we have the choice to hear and to respond. Or we can remain deaf in the, in the prison of our own making. Let's read on a bit more. With this, Pilate went out again to the Jews, gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in, in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face. Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and the officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid and he went back inside the palace. It's an uncomfortable section to read this one, isn't it? Having, having previously suffered uh, abuse from the Jewish leaders, Jesus is now mistreated and mocked by the soldiers under, under Pilate's authority. He's then brought out before the Jewish leaders, presented as a man who has been brutalised and humiliated. Instead of being shocked by Pilate's brutality towards one of their own, they are incensed that Jesus is still alive. Crucify, crucify. Pilate again tries to, to wash his hands of the matter and finally the Jewish leaders come out with their charge against Jesus. That's Pilate had asked right at the start, what are the charges? They finally came out and said, he claims to be the son of God. Did you notice the effect that that had on Pilate? It says he became more afraid. Fear hadn't been mentioned before, but there'd been something in what Jesus was saying, something in how Jesus was answering that had triggered something in Pilate. He really didn't want to be in this position. He didn't want to be judging Jesus. There was something that had awoken something in Pilate and, and, and he didn't know quite how to respond. And here he is having the Jews come to him and say, he claims to be the son of God. Now, in Pilate's world, the emperors claim to be divine. I wonder if the Jewish leaders had thought about that when they had said that. Maybe that's why they were, were holding back. But it, it caused in Pilate for him to start to question, could Jesus really be the equivalent of a, a, Roman, a Roman emperor, another kingdom, a, a heavenly kingdom, not of this world? 
as he has, and, and he, he says to himself, what if this is true? Now, for us, do you ever have that niggling doubt? What, what if this is true? Maybe you've been resisting God for so long and uh, uh, every time he comes knocking, you, you just say, oh, no, or, you know, I think, I think I just need to push this back down. I, just, I need to, to brush it off. I need to get on with life. It's just a moment of doubt. It's, it's going to pass. Well, let's read on a bit more. Pilate says to him, where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realise I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at the place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. This section begins with Pilate claiming he has power over Jesus' life and death. But Jesus reminds him that that any power he thinks he has, has been given by God and it can be taken away in an instance. Only a few backs, uh, a few weeks back, um, I, I had the pleasure of preaching on uh, from John 10 uh, about the, the Good Shepherd and, and there it, uh, there's a section that we read, the reason my father loves me is that I laid down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. You see, Jesus is standing before Pilate of his own accord. Despite what the circumstances look like, he is there of his own accord. He lays down his life of his own accord. He does so freely for us in accordance with the father's plan. But the Jews have been pressing him, they've been pressing him, and he, he feels forced to make a choice. Though he is free to make a different choice, he never loses his freedom. So often the case, isn't it? We feel like we have no choice, but we always have a choice. Pilate is the one who must bear the consequences of his choice. The Jewish leaders sacrifice their allegiance to nationalism. Really, they, they, they sacrifice their allegiance to God in this section, I think by claiming their loyalty to Caesar. Who would have thought they would, they would be so dishonest to do that? No, we have no other king but Caesar. They manoeuvre Pilate into a corner, rewording their demands um, 
in similar terms of, of loyalty to Caesar. If you don't do this, you are not loyal to Caesar. We're loyal to Caesar. You're not loyal to Caesar. In our life too, we, we have to make choices. We have to choose sides. Uh, we, can, we can, like Pilate here, we can try to put it off and put it off. Uh, but one day, we have to make a decision because there is another day that is called too late when the choice has been made for us. Let's read our final section. <laughs> it's like that, isn't it, mate? I'll be, final section's good news. <laughs> and if uh, someone wanted to get some, some colouring in might help. Anyway, so the soldier took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scriptures might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home later knowing that everything had been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled jesus said i am thirsty a jar of wine vinegar was there so they soaked a sponge on it put the sponge on a sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to jesus lips when he received and drinks and dr received the drink jesus said it is finished with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. We're back where we started. As we've been working through John's gospel over, over um, the last few weeks, we've seen Jesus described as the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We've read John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life and we've seen jesus describe himself as the water of eternal life the bread of life when jesus himself called himself the good shepherd who lays down his life his life he he said as i said earlier that he did, did that of his own accord and he has authority to to give his life and to take it up the reason we call good friday good is because Jesus' plan is completed. It is finished. I was watching a, uh, a bit of a, a thing on um, the Second World War the other day and, uh, and they were explaining that there was, there was D-Day and V-E-Day. 
it's kind of like here is, is D-Day. The war's really won, but there's still going to be some mopping up to do afterwards. If we choose to take Jesus' offer and accept him as king, then we receive all that he has offered that we've been reading through John. We have that eternal life. We're right with the Father again. Our sins have been taken away. You know, I, I reckon Pilate might have come close. He sensed there was something in Jesus' words. Yet when push came to shove, he, he, he pulled back. He rather focused on those short-term gains. How often we do that. Instead of recognising Jesus as king, he put Jesus in the king of the Jews box. Not the king of him, king of the Jews. I'm sure when he put it on the sign, he did it to... Uh, a, a, as much to annoy the Jews as anything else um, but primarily to define Jesus as someone who may be good for others but really had nothing to do with him he'd reached that decision so this morning I'd, I'd just plead with you don't be pilot don't put Jesus in a box that doesn't relate to you be brave consider the long game allow Jesus to to expose those voids in your life and to bring healing there. Try living for him instead of yourselves and discover that, that peace and that fulfilled life that Jesus offers to us. Well, good news is the sermon's concluded and we're just going to move seamlessly now into to communion. <laughs> so if I can get my helpers just to, to move the cloth... Uh, and uh, I just wanted to start by reading uh, a little bit of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, so then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. I remember as a, as a 15-year-old hearing that for the first time. I, I grew up in the church. I went there with my parents. Uh, I'd been to many, many, many communions. Uh, and just one day I, I heard that for the first time. Uh, and... Uh, and when I read that word unworthy, it's, 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 it has nothing to do about whether I am personally holy enough to be able to go up there. Uh, it really talks about whether I want to partake of that, whether I want to have Jesus in my life as, as, as my Lord and Saviour. Um, so... I've started reading that because if, if you have been coerced here today, if you're like me, always have gone up and, and taken it but never really thought about it, just relax. If you stay seated, you, you have my respect. You're being honest with yourselves. If you are someone who is following Christ, then I really want you to come up and, and, and join in with this. Now, we're doing things a little bit differently this morning. Uh, we're we're going to get you to come up and, and pick, pick a piece of bread. They'll mark, there's gluten-free at the front. And um, what do you call other bread? Gluten-loaded <laughs> at the black. 
So please come up, take a piece of bread, take a cup, and for a change, can you hang on to both? Because I want us to, to eat and drink together. So please, please come up now. Come up to the table.